This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to The Flowered Path. Before we get started, I'd like to thank my new patron, Diane Homan. Patrons and donations help me to make The Flowered Path and continue to bring you content. If you'd like to support The Flowered Path, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash thefloweredpath. Or if you just want to make a one-time donation, you can go to thefloweredpath.com slash donate. There's the PayPal donate button there. As I was researching stories of St. Otilia, I kept running into conflicting stories. Some had her born in the Alsace region, while others, with quite different stories, said she came from England hundreds of years earlier. After a bit, I realized these were two different saints. It didn't help that the St. Otilia from Alsace has her name spelled in multiple ways, including O-D-I-L-E, which is the same spelling as an earlier saint, Odile, from England. So we have a sort of tale of two saints in this episode. For the sake of clarity, I will refer to the Alsatian saint as Otelia and the English saint as Odile. St. Otilia of Alsace was born around the year 660 in the Vosges Mountains. I first ran across St. Otilia's story in a magazine called The Catholic World from 1873. The article was entitled, A Legend of St. Otilia.
Adelric, Duke of Alsace, had a lovely wife, with whom he lived in great happiness, desiring but one thing more than he possessed. This was the blessing of children. His prayers, however, remained unanswered until he vowed that, if the Lord would grant his ardent wish, he would dedicate the child entirely to his service. At length a daughter was born to him, but the parent's first joy was turned into sadness, for the child was born blind. Otelia, thus she was named, grew up a lovely maiden, with rare goodness and virtues showing from her earliest youth singular piety and devoutness of character. One of her daily prayers was that God might bestow on her the gift of sight. By and by, to the great astonishment of all, this prayer was answered. Beautiful before, the new expression of her eyes so enhanced her charms that, whereas previously she had no lack of suitors, now she was wooed by many and most noble youths. These dazzling prospects affected the mind of her father and led him to repent the vow he had made to give his sweet child to God. Then Count Adelhart, a brave man, and one who had performed great services for Adelric claimed the hand of Otelia, and the duke resolved that his daughter should become his wife. Otelia heard this in terror. She told her father how wrong she believed it to be, and how she feared the vengeance of heaven if they thus disregarded his vow. Seeing, however, that her entreaties were of no avail, and that they meant to marry her by compulsion, she fled, she knew not whither. Then Adelric called his servants to pursue her, he himself, in company with Otelia's suitor, taking the lead. They took the road to Freiburg and Breisgau. The day began to decline, and their efforts to find her had been in vain, when, on riding up a hill, from whose top they could overlook the country, they heard a cry. Turning their eyes toward the place from whence the sound came, they saw her whom they were seeking, standing on the summit. They urged their steeds onward, rejoicing in the certainty of capturing the fugitive. Then Otelia threw herself upon her knees and prayed to heaven for assistance. The rock opened beneath her feet, and in the sight of all, she sank into the yawning depths. The rock closed again, and from the spot where it had been reft in twain, a clear well flowed, taking its course downward into the forest below. The mourning father returned to his now desolate home. Never again did he behold Otelia. The wonderful tale soon spread far and near. The fountain became a place of pilgrimage. People drank from its waters, to which a wonderful healing influence for weak eyes was attributed. A hermit built his hut in its neighborhood, and the well of St. Otelia was and is much frequented by old and young. The mountain itself bears the name of Otelia Berg, or Mont St. Odile. Thus runs the simple legend, which, even after the lapse of centuries, brings people to visit this famous spring, partly drawn thither by religious faith in the curative power of its waters, and partly attracted by the renowned beauty of the scenery which surrounds the spot, where heaven-trusting Otelia had thrown herself upon the intervention of Providence.
It's a fabulous story with strong parallels to the story of St. Winifred, the beheaded virgin. A spring emerged at the place where her head fell. But it's not St. Winifred's story I'm telling today, though I will certainly on a future show. Looking for further information on St. Otilia, I found different versions of her biography. The following comes from a book called The Liturgical Year, Advent, published in 1870. On the 13th of December, we have the fifth of the wise virgins, whose bright lamps light us during Advent, to the crib of Jesus, their spouse. Otelia did not shed her blood for him, as did Bibiana, Barbara, Eulalia, and Lucy. Her offering was her tears and her love. Her wreath of lilies blends sweetly with the roses, which form the crowns of her four companions. Her name is held in special veneration in the east of France and beyond the Rhine. The holy hill whereon her tomb has rested now these thousand years is still visited by numerous and devout pilgrims. Several kings of the Capetian race and several emperors of the house of Habsburg were descendants of the father of our saint, Adelric or Atticus, Duke of Alsace. Otilia was born blind. Her father insisted on her being removed from the house, for her presence would have been a continual humiliation to him. It seems as though this affliction was permitted by providence in order that the action and power of divine grace might be the more clearly manifested in her regard. The little exile was taken from her mother and placed in a monastery. God, who designed to show the virtue of the holy sacrament of regeneration, permitted that her baptism should be deferred until she had reached her thirteenth year. The time at length came for Attilia to be made a child of God. No sooner was she taken from the baptismal font than she recovered her eyesight, which was but a feeble figure of the light which faith had lit up in her soul. This prodigy restored Attilia to her father and to the world, and from that time forward she had to defend against unceasing attacks the virginity which she had vowed to God. Her personal beauty and her father's wealth and power attracted to her many rich suitors. She refused them all. And her father himself built a monastery on the rocks of Hohenberg, where she served her divine Lord, governed a large community, and gave relief to every sort of suffering. After a long life spent in prayer, penance, and works of mercy, the day came which was to reward her for it all. It was this very day, the 13th of December, the feast of the Holy Virgin Lucy. The sisters of Helenberg, desirous of treasuring up her last words, assembled round their saintly abbess. She was in an ecstasy, and already dead to the things of this life. Fearing lest she should die before she had received that holy viaticum, which leads the soul to him who is her last end. The sisters thought it their duty to rouse her from the mystic sleep, which, so it seemed to them, rendered her forgetful of the duties which she had to perform. Being thus brought to herself, she turned to the community and said to them, Dear sisters, why have you disturbed me? Why would you again oblige me to feel the weight of this corruptible body when I had once left it? By the favor of his divine majesty, 
I was in the company of the great virgin Lucy, and the delights I was enjoying were so great that no tongue could tell them, nor ear hear them, nor human eye see them. No time was lost in giving her the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, which having received, she immediately rejoined her heavenly companion, and the thirteenth day of December thus united into the feasts of the abbess of Helenberg and of the martyr of Syracuse. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite-only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. The Church of Strasbourg, which honors Otelia as one of its greatest glories, has the following lessons for this feast. By giving them a place here, we do not adopt the statement they contain with regard to the rule which was followed by the monastery of Hellenberg, Mabion, who proves that St. Otelia followed the rule of St. Benedict, shows that the canonical rule, as it was called, did not exist at that time. Otelia, the glory and protectress of her country, was the eldest child of Adelric, Duke of Alsace, and of Beresund, his wife. Being born blind, she was repudiated by her father, but the mother, with more compassion, had her nursed privately. Later on, she was sent to the monastery of Boom, not far from Buzansan, where she was educated and instructed in the holy scriptures and grew in age and wisdom. When an adult, she was baptized by the holy Bishop Erhard and was on that occasion miraculously cured of her blindness. After the lapse of some years, she was recalled to her father's house and became the object of his affection. During this time, she despised all that the world loves, preferring poverty to the greatest wealth and leading a hermit's life amidst all the distractions of her father's palace. She rejected, with great resolution, all the offers of marriage which were made to her and, after a long and hard contest, obtained her father's consent to devote herself forever to God, with several other virgins. For this end, Adelric built, at his own cost, a church and monastery on the top of a high hill, and richly endowed it with land and possessions. It was at his request that Otelia was appointed to govern the monastery. Scarce was this abode of sanctity established when many sought for admission, and, as it is related, the community numbered no less than 130. At the commencement, no special rule was followed. The imitation of Otelia was their rule. When, afterwards, it was deliberated on which of the two rules should be adopted, the monastic or the canonical, this latter was preferred by the discreet abbess as being better adapted to the circumstances of the place. To all around her she was indulgent, to herself alone she was severe. 
Her only food was barley bread and water, to which she sometimes added a few herbs. Her contemplation of divine things was continual. She gave to it the greatest part of the night, and spent the rest in sleep. Her bed was a rough skin, and a stone her pillow. To this she added a maternal solicitude for the poor and sick, for whom she built another monastery, and also a large hospital at the foot of the hill, so that they might have readier assistance in their various miseries. She placed there several of the nuns to take care of the poor inmates, not only so, but she every day visited them herself, fed them and comforted them, and hesitated not to dress with her own hands the loathsome sores of lepers. At length, weighed down by age and merit, and knowing that her death was at hand, she assembled her sisters in the oratory of St. John the Baptist, and there exhorted them to continue firm their holy engagements and never to leave the narrow path which leads to heaven. Having received in the same place the viaticum of the body and blood of Christ, she departed this life on the Ides of December, December 13th, and according to the more probable opinion, in the year 720. The body of the Holy Virgin was buried in the same oratory, and her tomb became immediately an object of the greatest veneration of the faithful, and was celebrated for the miracles which were wrought there. The ways of God in your regard, O Holy Virgin, were admirable indeed, and he manifested in you the riches and the power of grace. He deprived you of sight so that your soul might more eagerly cling to his own infinite beauty, and when afterwards he restored you your bodily vision, you had already made choice of the better part. The harshness of your father deprived you of the innocent pleasures of home, but it prepared you to become the spiritual mother of so many noble virgins, who, following your example, trampled on all the vanities of the world. You chose a life of humility, because your heavenly spouse, Jesus, had humbled himself for our sakes. You imitated him also in his being our divine deliverer, and taking upon himself all our miseries, for you had the tenderest compassion on the poor and the sick. You took on yourself the care of a poor leper that had been abandoned by all else. With a mother's courage you fed him and affectionately dressed his loathsome sores. And is it not this that our Jesus is coming down from heaven to do for us, to heal our wounds by embracing our human nature, and to nourish us with that food which he is preparing to give us at Bethlehem? While the leper was receiving your loving care, the frightful disease, which excluded him from the society of his fellow creatures, suddenly disappeared. A delicious odor came from his whole person, whereas before none but a saint like yourself could have borne to approach him. Is it not this which Jesus is coming down to do for us? The leprosy of sin was upon us, his grace heals us, and man regenerated sheds around him the good odor of Christ. In the midst of the joys which you are now sharing with Lucy, remember us, you that were ever so compassionate to the needy. We cannot forget the tears which you shed and the prayers you offered up for the soul of your father after his death and by which you delivered him from purgatory, and opened the gates of heaven to him that had banished you from his house. You are no longer in the land of tears, but thine eyes are open to the light of heaven, and contemplate God in his glory. Pray therefore for us, 
for your prayers are now more powerful than heretofore. Think of us who are poor and infirm. Obtain the cure for our maladies. The Emmanuel, who is coming to us, tells us that he is the physician of our souls. For he has said, They that are in health need not the physician, but they that are ill. Ask him that he cure us of the leprosy of sin, and make us become even like unto himself. Pray for France, your country, and help her to maintain the purity of the Catholic faith. Watch over the ruins of the Holy Empire. Heresy has disunited the members of the great body, but it will once more flourish if our Lord, propitiated by such prayers as yours, vouchsafed to bring Germany back again to the true faith and to submission to the Church. Yes, pray that these glorious things be brought about for the honor and glory of your divine spouse, and that nations, now weary of their errors and disunion, may unite together in propagating the kingdom of God upon earth. Another version of her story has St. Otelia, after being cured of blindness, being recalled by her brother from the convent in order to use her in an arranged marriage. Her father, hearing of his son's plot on the heels of Otelia's miraculous healing, became enraged and struck his son, a blow which led to his death. Otelia then raised her brother from the dead and fled back to the convent. Her father followed but a mountain cave opened up to hide Otelia. As he tried to enter, rocks fell upon him, convincing him to give up the pursuit. Yet another tale of Otelia follows much the same as the others. She was born blind as a child, raised by nuns, and gifted with vision upon her baptism at age twelve. Her father planned to marry her, but Otelia resisted as she wanted to become a nun. This caused her father to treat her with resentment. One day he caught her hiding a bowl of food in her cloak as she tried to leave the castle. He asked her what she was doing, and she replied that she was bringing food to the poor. This must have touched her father's heart as he converted the castle into a convent and a sanctuary for the sick and the poor. At Otelia's request, he built another monastery at the foot of the steep hill that led to the castle to make it easier for the elderly, the injured, and the handicapped to access care. Most accounts relate St. Otelia died of natural causes on the 13th of December in the year 720. St. Otelia's feast day is December 13th. She is the patron saint of people with eye pain. She is patron against blindness and rat infestation. The St. Otelia from Alsace seems to often get conflated with another Saint Odile, who set sail with a group of virgins on pilgrimage from England around the year 300. For some reason they sailed up the Rhine, 
were captured and taken to Cologne, where they were martyred. Sometimes this earlier Saint Odile is said to have accompanied Saint Ursula on her voyage. The stories are similar. Saint Odile would become patroness of the Order of the Holy Cross. An article about this earlier Saint Odile at catholicsaints.info noted that in the spring of 1287, her apparition appealed to John Novelan of Epa, a lay brother of the Order of the Holy Cross in Paris. She explained to him that she had been appointed patron and protectress of the order, and revealed to John where her relics could be found. Taking this information to his prior, he requested to travel to retrieve the relics. John's request was refused, but after St. Odile appeared twice more to him, he was allowed to go in the company of a priest of the order. They found the relics where the apparition said they would be, buried in an urn at the foot of a pear tree in a certain garden owned by a man named Arnulf. They also found urns for St. Ida and St. Emma. The relics were taken to the mother house of the Order of the Holy Cross in Belgium. However, en route they were responsible for many miraculous cures, including blindness. During the French Revolution in 1797, the monastery in Belgium was destroyed. St. Odile's relics were saved, however, and returned to the order in 1949. For centuries, fathers of the Order of the Holy Cross have blessed water by dipping a relic of St. Odile into it, asking God to give it power against all infirmities and diseases. Many cures have been attributed to St. Odile's intercession, especially afflictions of the eyes. Thanks for listening. New in the Flower Path Etsy shop are little zines I made called Petals and Thorns. This is something I put together for the Flower Path Orchid Tier patrons on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Flower Path if you're interested. Orchid Tier patrons get merch every month. Sometimes it's things I create, other times it's things I find that I think might be of interest and are on theme with the podcast. This month I made this little zine of Catholic ephemera. It's 36 pages and includes antique photographs of nuns, priests, and friars, reproductions of old prayer cards, clippings from old newspapers, and an article on Louise Latou, a mystic with the stigmata from the 1800s. It's full color and also includes some of my pen and ink illustrations. I'm really happy with the way it came out. I will be doing more of these, maybe two or three a year, I'm not sure. If you want to check it out, you can go to our Etsy shop. The shop name is Lost Grave. Etsy.com slash shop slash Lost Grave. There are links in the show notes. When you get there, look for the Flowered Path section and things related to the Flowered Path will be there including the Flower Path t-shirts. Again, I'm waiting for restocks. We should have all sizes back in before too long. Bandanas with the Virgin Mary, my paracord rosaries, and this new Petals and Thorns zine. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can find the Flower Path on Facebook, facebook.com slash theflowered path. 
on Instagram, at The Flower Path, all one word, no underscores, and on the web at thefloweredpath.com. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.